When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Imagine a year where a movie is propaganda for the British Royal Navy. Oh, what, what year is that, Sandra? It's 1951. We're going to murder the Spanish. Welcome to Oldie But A Goodie. I'm on a ship once again. I'm the captain of this ship. How did I get a ship that I'm captain on? Don't ask me. I'm a captain. I've got my cabin boy, the orphan. He's running around. Orphan? Does that mean my mummy and daddy are fucking dead? Sorry for swearing, my name a child. Oh, what a wonderful young lad that that orphan is. I've got a bunch of people on my ship. In fact, I've even got my friend Sandy on the ship as well. What role do you have on the ship, Sandy? I'm taking this ship from you. Oh, no, it's a mutiny. (laughs) Motherfucker, hand over your sword. Oh, well, I have been beaten. Look at me. Yes? I'm the captain now. Oh, you said the line from the thing that's not out yet. Ah, <laughs> uh, here's, here's my stuff. That's fine. Well, I've got to try and take my ship back. Is there someone else on this ship I can work with? Let's have a look. Who are you? Oh, hey there. <laughs> oh, hello. I'm Harry Coover. Very nice to meet you, sir. I like that name. It's like a... It's like a... It's like the name of a vacuum cleaner, but with extra words in the middle. Yeah, I'm, I'm Harry Coover. I'm glad you like the name. It usually sticks. <laughs> I feel like you're referencing something. Are you an inventor? Did you invent something that has stuck things? Oh, absolutely. Have you heard of cyanoacrylate? No. I'm a captain of a ship. Do you think I've got time for that, sir? <laughs> that's, that's fair. That's fair. You may have heard of it in a different form. I'm, I'm calling it super glue. Oh my god, you're the inventor of superglue. Yeah, that's why my name sticks, because it's because I make superglue. Well, there's a giant hole in the ship. Do you reckon we could fix that with some superglue? We're going to need way more superglue. I'm so sorry. I only have like one stick of superglue. Oh, like, no. I stuck, I stuck a car to a crane. It was a great operation. It was very cool. Um, but I used all my glue for that. <laughs> you used up all the glue, now you've got no glue left? Yeah, yeah. Well, then you're useless to me. You're useless to me. Empty your mind and let Zach teleport into your body, which is a thing we're doing this year. You're, you're useless. <laughs> all right, I guess. Ah, <laughs> oh, Zach, hello. You're here. Oh, hey. Yeah, why... Why are we in a cell in the ship? I don't know. I'm a captain of the ship, and then Sandy took over. Oh. Let's escape. do 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 Hey, Sandy, how are you? Get back in your cell. Uh, do you want to do a podcast instead? Yeah, okay. Yay. 
Wow, I'm glad the conflict resolved itself real quick there. Well, we're right, right near the end of the movie. Yeah, oh, that yeah. makes sense. That we really sense. needed to wrap this plot yeah, line up. Yeah, we just wrapped the, the... We started this plot line quite late into the movie. That makes sense. That makes sense. So we didn't really give it as much time as all the other ones, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like it's based off three novels, but we oh. only really adapt 20 pages from each novel. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hello, welcome... To oldie but a goodie, we're in 1951 and we're doing a movie called Captain Horatio Hornblower because I like the TV show from the 90s. And I am also obsessed with the TV show from the early 2000s. I am not, and this movie didn't help, I feel, (laughs) in this case. So last time we got Sandy on, uh, Sandy, you were on for The Witcher, which was an objectively worse adaptation of the books. Yes. Um, (laughs) And this time you're on for uh, Captain Horatio Hornblower, which is objectively a worst adaptation of these books. That is correct. However, the difference between The Witcher and Horatio Hornblower is that I'm deeply obsessed with Horatio Hornblower. (laughs) (laughs) And would watch pretty much any bullshit related to it and get a lot out of it. So I found this a lot more bearable than The Hexer. I I Mm. agree. And also, you know, it is part of uh, one of my personal favourite genres, which is a bunch of men on a ship. (laughs) Also mine. This is this is one of the one of the main um, nay only points that we relate deeply on, Sandra. <laughs> it's true. It is true. Um, yeah, love a love a seafaring action adventure. Master Commander also great. Mm. Also based on loosely on the adventures of the real life sea captain Lord Thomas Cochrane. That's a little fact for you that both Horatio Hornblower and whatever the fuck Russell Crowe's character, <laughs> they're both based on the same real life guy. Oh, excellent. So you've got a lot of history with Hornblower then. How did you discover the TV show? Have you read the books? So I've read um, the first book and I think some of the second. Um, But they are, you know, they were written in, what, the 30s or something? Yeah. But also because I'd already watched the TV show and it's a fairly faithful adaptation. It felt like I was just, you know, retreading the same thing when I started reading the books. But yeah, the TV show I started watching when I was, God, maybe 11. Um, My dad put it on. And then my parents would, like, watch ahead once they'd put us to bed, which I was very salty about. And what I would do is I would climb up the stairs from my bedroom and, like, stand behind them like a poltergeist cursed child (laughs) while they were watching the TV, like, just completely silent so they didn't know I was, like, secretly watching behind them. (laughs) My God. Yeah, so I have a deep and uh, abiding love of uh, Captain Horatio Hornblower. And his adventures. Yeah, mm. that's good. Um, but Zach, you haven't. You are so unfamiliar with horn blower that I've noticed that every time I say horn blower, you laugh a little bit. Yeah. So what did you think of this? Because it's a fun name. His name's Horn Blower. It is. That's a, that's a funny name. <laughs> he's a he's a funny guy. I don't know. I don't know anything. I I've never heard of this before. I've never watched anything. Never read anything. I feel like this wasn't the best introduction to the series mm. that we could have gone with. Certainly not. <laughs> um, I'm sure you guys can tell me all about how much better this is in everything else. But the uh, elephant in the room is the racism that was throughout this this film, which was a bit of a yikes for me. Bit of a yeah. bit of a setback. 
As it should be, I reckon. <laughs> I, I've, I've been known to be slightly anti-racism. I'm not sure what you guys are into with your, your Hornblower books, but... Um... Can I just say, <laughs> yes, the sudden, like, blackface, very weird and strange. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Racism, not sure if it completely maps onto this. Because they're meant to be Spanish, I think. They're meant to be Spanish, but it's the Mexican stereotype. Yeah. Yeah, actually, you're probably right on that front. Yeah. So it's like a confused form of something. I don't know quite. Yeah. It's definitely got some weird 50s ideas about what's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's definitely the most, like, it's very pro-Britain. <laughs> pro- it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Although I would say... Generally, Hornblower is a story, and again, I've only read like a couple of the books, but at least in the TV show, it's it's fairly um, open to other cultures, yeah. <laughs> apart from the French who deserve to die. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we can all agree on that. I think yeah. that's true. We hate our French listeners; they all are <laughs> yeah. terrible. Iconically, I think like two months ago, Sandro went on a tirade against the French, so it is... Did he really? Did that's, I? You know, that's how you know someone grew up watching Hornblower, if they like, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely like, unabashedly true, you know, inexplicably francophobic. Like. <laughs> that is a good point, yeah. But yeah, Zach, I, I don't think this was a good introduction for you. I mean, it is based off the first few novels of Hornblower, but the TV show is based off the prequel novels that were written later. Oh, really? I thought the I thought he wrote them in order, like with Mister Midshipman Hornblower first. No, that's like the fifth one, apparently. Oh shit! Oh, that's what I started from. That's really interesting. I guess that's like the Chronicles of Narnia thing, where like mm. there's a correct order and then the order everyone reads them. Yeah, because it looks like the original bunch of them it lasted about nine years and then then it ended with. Lord Hornblower, where he's an Ooh. old man. And then um, they went back to the beginning after that in the mm. year before the movie came out, actually, in 1950. So, oh. yeah, the order of them is a bit messed up. So he wrote Mr. Mitchum and Hornblower after the movie came out? Ah, uh, just before. So it would have probably been after he finished, because he was involved in the screenplay of this movie as well. So That's why it's, it's pretty good. Mm. Yeah, the script is good. It's um, pretty, yeah. It's pretty, like, faithful, I would say, to, like, the way... The, the books uh, sound and feel, yes. you know? no, definitely. I, I did like the adventure as a whole. Mm. I did like the, like, I at the start, I was a bit like, whoa, this is a rough start. But then the, like, the twist happens. Which twist? The whole, oh, we're suddenly allies with the oh, French. Yeah, sure, yeah. And, yeah, the whole, like, oh, shit. And now we're enemies with them. So it, like, flips the script, and now he has to undo all the actions he just did. Yeah, which I love because it's very, like, faithful to how long information took to get anywhere. Mm, yes, uh, definitely. In the Age of Sail. <laughs> so he's, like, unwittingly done a war crime. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That Just because was... there isn't any, like, phones. Yeah, I mean, he does a few of them in this movie as well. <laughs> sometimes he wittingly does, sometimes he very much wittingly does a war crime. <laughs> yeah. But mm, he does mm. it with such uh, spark and, and, and gusto that you kind of <laughs> have to, you kind of have to uh, give it to him. And he's played by Gregory Peck in this movie. People would probably know him from To Kill a Mockingbird. He was um, Atticus Finch yeah. in the movie from the 60s. He's in, uh, like, heaps of other stuff, like Roman Holiday, uh, 
a bunch of uh, Hitchcock stuff as well. Um, yeah, him as Hornblower. He's not as charismatic as Hornblower in the TV show. I don't think anyone could be as charismatic as Eon Grufford. As Eon Grufford. Or Eon Grufford is, yeah. Yeah, he's Welsh. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. But I would say for the time, excellent casting. His, his kind of awkwardness, gangliness, um, but like real warmth. And, like, serious frown. I think those are all very crucial to the character of Hornblower. Yeah, and I feel like, Zach, one thing about this movie is um, it feels very Star Trek Next Generation, and he feels very much like Mm. a Picard sort of captain. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I wonder why, Sandro. I wonder why. It's almost like Star Trek is just a Navy story, but in space. Whoa. <laughs> it's almost like it was directly inspired by- <laughs> It's true. Whoa. You guys are making a lot of assumptions. <laughs> <laughs> but they're probably true. No, they're definitely true. That's a fact. <laughs> yeah. No, Kirk and Hornblower are the same character. <laughs> they yeah, are the same yeah, yeah. character. Um, there's even a point where there was the young- I don't even know what his position on the ship was. He was maybe like- a cabin hand or something, but like a, a young boy was kind of like running around the ship, goes up to Hornblower, and Hornblower's like, Oh, what are you doing here? And I was like, That's just Will Wheaton. This is just. Yeah, this, yeah. This Shut up, just- Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> I did notice that, and I noticed that when they keep gushing over him. They're like, oh, the captain's so great. Those are the things. It's like, oh, what's the captain thinking? I, I actually thought of Star Trek in that <laughs> in the first couple of episodes where they're like, oh, what's this new captain doing? What does he do? That sort of thing, you know? If you were watching this movie, Zach, and you didn't know that this was based off three books, do you think you would have been able to tell that this is three separate stories kind of stitched together? Well, it's a bit long, I don't know if I could tell if it was three different stories because mm. there is that like twist that they have. Is that in the middle of one story at the end of a story? Well, yeah, it's based off the Happy Return, a ship of the line, and flying colors. Um, mm. I think I think the twist must be halfway through a ship of the line because that yeah, feels yeah. like mm-hmm. something in there. And then I guess the Happy Return is just when he cut. Well, it's. Spoilers, but when he returns to England is probably just that whole oh, story. I think maybe if I thought about it, I would think these are two books. Yeah. yeah. But not three. Because there's that whole, like, um, he gets captured by the, those French fuckers <laughs> and, um, yeah, fuck and then guys. has to escape. That bit felt like a different story to yeah. the naval story. Yeah, definitely. But the, the naval story, that all felt like one big it, adventure. Yeah. Um, we'll get into some more spoilers in a second, uh, but very quickly, the rest of the cast of this is pretty fun. There's a bunch of great people. I love the guy who played Lieutenant Bush. I thought he was quite good. Um, he gets a good character arc throughout the whole thing. Uh, surprisingly, and I did not even notice this until we were just about to start recording, but Christopher Lee is in this. Um, (laughs) who is he? Christopher Lee is the Spanish captain of the Natividad that they capture. He's only on scene for like 30 seconds. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. He looks way different when he's younger. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But yes, Saruman himself is in this. I don't, it must have been a pretty early role for him because this is just after the war ended and, you know, he was very, very involved in, yeah. in fighting for the war. So I think this must be one of his first movies, but um, 
yeah, no, it's uh, I, it's interesting that he's in this. He's probably the biggest name out of everyone here as well. Which, yeah, crazy. <laughs> it's it's crazy getting those super famous actors and then going back to when they started and they're just like random background people that get maybe one line. Yeah. And that's just crazy. Well, we did that with uh, one of your previous episodes, Sandy, with Brad Pitt and Hunk. <laughs> yeah, what a time we had. What a great episode. I mean, it was a good episode. <laughs> what an iconic film. Sandy, do you reckon that this is an oldie or a goodie before we jump over to some pretty heavy spoilers? Which I definitely think it's a goodie. Mm-hmm. Like, even, even though, you know, it's obviously very dated, but Gregory Peck kills it. The script is pretty good. You know, it's just a good time. Yeah. Obviously, the inexplicable blackface was inexplicable yep. and sudden. Yeah. But I, I do, en- I did enjoy like that character of the of the deranged uh, re- uh, rebel leader. Yes. And I think there's there's one or two times in um in the Hornblower series where he kind of comes up against a really deranged person. Um, just to kind of throw into relief, like, you know, the the way his system works on the ship and, and how he is as a leader, like, you can kind of see. Yeah, I just, I enjoyed that. And I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you want me to say. I freaking love this story. <laughs> and would you recommend, I mean, I feel like I would definitely say start with the TV show and then go to this. But would you say that if people like the show that they should check this out? Yeah, I think so. And especially because this adapts three books that the show didn't get to. Mm. So that was kind of interesting for me because it is a story that you haven't seen done better, right? Like, it, it, it's a story that you haven't seen yet. Uh, and if you hate Maria in the TV show, <laughs> you get to see her die. You and that's kind of exciting. This. Yeah. That's that's awesome. <laughs> actually, I actually feel bad for Maria, but it is kind of funny <laughs> that she just gets killed off screen. It is. It, it's funny that, that she gets killed off screen. It's also funny that she knew that Hornblower didn't love her the entire time. I mean, he doesn't hide it very well. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, Maria's Hornblower's wife, for those playing along at home, who he married like out of... An inability to say no and yeah. awkwardness mm. and the feeling that he maybe should have a wife. Yeah. In a note, it's like, I know you kind of just just wanted to have someone to come back to. You know, you just kind of picked me. You settled. Yeah. Thanks for settling for me. Yeah. I died in childbirth giving you a son. Yeah. Please neglect him emotionally and literally. I don't think they ever got to that point in the books where the son is not a toddler so mm. did you read all the books sandra i haven't read all of them no i've read the prequel ones the, the same as you but then never got around to the later ones because i was like ah, too much strategy i'm bored yeah well once he's like in power it's a little less <laughs> yeah well i mean it's still exciting but i don't know there's a there's a dynamic in the er- in the earlier part of the story i shouldn't say the earlier books like but the prequels mm. from when he's like just coming up as a midshipman I really enjoy that dynamic of him kind of, like, learning how to be a leader of men or, or like, figuring out how this this um, ecosystem, this kind of discrete, insular society of a ship functions and how and how it has to how it has to function in order for everyone to survive as, like, a young man and, like, learning how to be kind of the, the great captain that everybody gushes about that you see later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that makes sense. Like, once you've become, you know... The, the leader, the great admiral, whatever, you know, you've reached the end point. Like, the, the struggle before that was the story. Yeah. And I'm sure that, like, he still struggles and it's still, like, um, interesting and relatable and stuff. But 
Yeah. I'm sorry I'm not being very, like, funny. I just care about this a lot. <laughs> no, 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 that's fair. Yeah. I think um, watching, like, old men govern things, old white men govern things, <laughs> not as exciting as watching, you know, shipmen, you know, learn how to uh, fight and all that. Yeah, or like a, you know, a coming-of-age kind of energy. Yeah. yeah. Um, although, you know, that said, I really did enjoy, like, those moments in this film where we just suddenly were transported into the Admiralty and the old guy's like, well, 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 home love, love hearing your stories. What a great time. I like yeah. how um, he sounded like Mr. Byrne. The Admiral <laughs> just sounded like Mr. Byrne, and it was very funny. <laughs> Uh, Zach, is this an oldie or a goodie from you? <laughs> no, I, I don't wish to offend Sam, <laughs> but... You're not going to offend me. Nothing can shake my love of Hornblower. That, that's fair. <laughs> and I think that's good. If anything, I'll just think less of you. <laughs> that, you know what? That's fair. I'll cop that. Because remember, Aldi isn't necessarily a bad film. No, it's just you wouldn't recommend it to people, <laughs> necessarily. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend this. I might recommend the TV show by the sounds of it. It sounds a lot better and possibly contains less blackface. I can't say. <laughs> it contains about 99% less. <laughs> oh, excellent, excellent. And it's just like, it, it's, a, it's a product of its time, which leads me to an Aldi rating. Oh. But it's not a bad film. Yes. Because... Like I liked the naval battles and all that. They were they were pretty awesome. And I mm. liked the mm. again, the twist in the story, the as it goes along. I, I quite enjoyed the story and the adventure. But I can't overlook the black face. That's fair. Let's call it Mexican face. Yeah, the Mexican face. <laughs> and uh the pro-British propaganda that was throughout this film. I think. <laughs> okay, well, the TV show definitely like has that in it. Yeah, <laughs> it's got a, yeah, it's yeah. got a little bit of that in it. Well, yeah. I feel I feel like that that's not too bad. But on the other hand, it's like not to not to f excuse it. And obviously, the British Empire is one of the greatest evils that ever happened to the world. Yes. Uh, and acknowledging that just up top. Mm. But <laughs> um, that that was the culture of of those ships at the time. Like yeah. this this patriotism, this this anti you know this francophobic anti Napoleon sentiment that came from like fucking being at war with France for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, yeah. constantly throughout history. Um, you heard it here first, Sandy, British sympathizer. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, like, if you're on a ship for seven months with no sight of land and you're told those people are bad, then, yeah, you're probably going <laughs> to- that's probably going to be your wealth view, that there's not much room for nuance when you're- when you're fighting. Well, and also it's just- it just goes to show, like, the intense, um, discipline. Yes. Mm. Of the English Navy, like, that was a part of it, like, the propaganda, mm. the- the nationalism- um, you know, the king, whatever. That was a part of this, like, well-oiled machine that literally, like, led the British to conquering, like, fucking... How much of the world? Let me just Google it. <laughs> like, all of it, pretty much. At its height, 23% of the world population Ooh, was under the British Empire. out. That is a lot, yeah. And, that, and you do that. You can't do that with land power, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you can only do it with sea power. And I'm not endorsing that. And I'm not saying that that was a good thing to happen. It's too late. We're already cutting this bit out. And just out of context, yeah. But impressive? Can we at least say that it was impressive? <laughs> I don't know. But you can kind of see, like, like um the fact that it's the fact that it's evil aside you can kind of see like why it was so successful 
in the culture on the ships of of discipline of um nationalism all I'm saying is this doesn't really have a worldwide market. It's all I'm saying. Like this has a very specific market it's tailing towards. Can I tell you a funny story? One time we had a French exchange student and we made him watch one blow. <laughs> That's so me. <laughs> and we were like, how good is this? And he's like, why are they saying that the only good Frenchman is a dead Frenchman? <laughs> I'm and that, French. And that's when you killed him, right? That's when you pulled out your swords and dueled them to the death, right? Yeah, we just, we just laughed at him and pushed him <laughs> off the house into the ocean. Oh, dear. <laughs> Uh, well, a goodie from Sandy, an oldie from Zach. I'm going to give this a goodie as well. I think it's, uh, yeah. uh, I I enjoyed this. I I have fun with this. Yeah, I feel like we're definitely seeing it through, like, a uh, TV show, Rose-Colored Glasses. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> because, like, we, you can kind of see in it the Hornblower that you do love. Like, I think if you just watched it with no prior knowledge, like, even just knowledge of how a ship works. Yeah. Or, you know. Yeah. Helps you kind of get into this. Whereas, like, if you're just watching it cold, it might be a bit dry. It is. I mean, it's still pretty funny. I've got some good quotes and stuff. Yeah, it is I'm funny. Still, I, I still enjoyed this a lot. I just felt like someone should give this an oldie because of certain <laughs> things in the film, right? I'm not saying it's a bad film, um, but with our binary rating system, you know, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. either pick one or the, the other. Great nuance. Yeah, yeah, yeah very nuanced. Uh, it's perfect system. But like, eh, someone's got to throw it out there, and I have no nostalgia for it. So yeah, yeah, yeah that's valid. You're valid. <laughs> Is it just because I'm American that you don't think I'd steal the Declaration of Independence? Well, jokes on you. That's the most American thing you could possibly do. And that's why I, Selly McSeller, love the movie National Treasure. And Sandro and Zach from Oldie But a Goodie, they reviewed it over on their Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Oldie But a Goodie Pod. They're doing so many bonus episodes to a month and you can get them right there. But why do you want to get them? Here's a clip to tempt you. I wrote down a note based off like what you said where you've got the archaeology nerds and then the computer nerds. I wrote down a yeah. note that was this movie is just one giant can you say that in English joke because the amount of times one of the nerds says something nerdy and then the one nerd who's not the same sort of nerd as them is like but can you bloody say that in bloody English please yeah yeah because because one half of them are like history nerds yeah. and he's the computer nerd so like they'll say something history nerd and the, and the computer nerd's like I don't know what the fuck you just said you dumb and then He'll say something computer nerdy, and they'll go, wow, what a fucking nerd. Can you speak English? Yeah, yeah. Nicolas Cage as Superman in the 90s? Nah, I want Nicolas Cage as Indiana Jones in the early 2000s. You can check that episode out right now. Patreon.com forward slash pod. You can get ad-free episodes and early episodes of the main show as well. Weehaw! Weehaw! Yeehaw! I'm an American, though. Hey, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there's pretty much three main stories that we've got here. The first one is, uh, they are out at sea, sailing around Central America. This guy's like, there's a ship, I'm a Spanish (laughs) rebel leader. There's a ship you should take over it, give it to me. And so they do that. But then it turns out, oh no, Spain's actually their allies now. And so they're like, you gotta go (laughs) sink that ship you just gave to that guy. Yeah. And they're like, God damn it, if we'd just taken that ship and kept it, we would have gotten a lot of prize money. Yeah. Because basically the idea is if you captured a ship, 
you would take it home and you would sell it and then you would like split up the how much the ship was worth amongst the crew so that's super exciting but you can only really do that on a frigate like on these smaller ships because in big ships of the line you're fighting in these huge like pitched battles and like you don't really capture things you just kind of sink things yeah <laughs> yeah um so yeah so so Hornblower was on a frigate called the Lydia which is yeah like a small like a scouting ship i guess you could call it um, and, and they would often send them solo like this on, on kind of spy missions or little diplomatic quests. And it would have been doubly demoralizing for the crew as well, because the whole capturing a thing, everyone's excited because you get to capture a ship and then you give him money. And then Hornblow is like, no, we're actually just giving it to them. Yeah. And then he turns around and is like, hey, guys, you know that ship we gave them, right? The one we didn't get any money for. We need to go back and fight it again. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, great, thanks. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Great, Captain. Fantastic work. I do like it, though, because we do see pretty much the two main forms of naval combat here. We get, like, the stealthy takeover of the ship, which obviously, like, it, it leads to a sword fight. Um, yeah, classic hornblower. Yeah, and then uh, we get the more uh, straightforward, just a bunch of cannons and, and, and stuff uh, for when they have to sink the ship. And it's all done very impressive. Like, like it looks quite good. I liked I liked the naval combat though. The naval combat was definitely very cool in this. I like the the outmaneuvering mm. as uh, they they wait for the enemy ship to uh, like turn about, and its uh, cannons dip into the water. Yeah, because it's turning around like too tight, too tight with too much sail on. Because they don't really know. These guys don't are not used to um, sailing ships, much less like a 86-gun ship of the line or something uh, like this. Ah, yeah, that's right. Because they gave it over to the Spanish who hadn't used the ship before, so they weren't familiar with it. Yeah. Well, it's not the Spanish. It, it's it's these these rebels who are actually uprising against the Spanish. Oh, okay. Which is why when it was revealed that, they, that Britain was no longer at war with Spain, suddenly these rebels are not your allies, but Spain's your allies, so you have to... Yeah, have to get rid of all the... Yeah. Which is why they're not Spanish. They must be, yeah, like some kind of Mexican indig indigenous. Oh, true. Yeah, maybe. N maybe not indigenous, but like being ruled by. In the TV show, they there is, and I'm not sure if this is like based on a different episode in the books or not, but there is like a slave uprising. Yes. Against mm. the Spanish that they have to deal with, um, which is, yeah, like transatlantic slave trade yeah big thing back then and then they take over but that that was handled a bit more respectfully <laughs> a bit i wouldn't say a lot a little a little bit <laughs> it was more. walking a very fine line it was. <laughs> yeah because they were still like the enemy or whatever it's kind of hard yeah to make a movie about empire and have it be like kosher yeah, yeah, that's fair. It's <laughs> a good point. Fair. Hey, you know what? History kind of kind of messed up. Kind of cancelable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. History as a whole just kind of kind of messed up. We should probably cancel the the British Navy. I reckon. I reckon. <laughs> Honestly, we probably should. <laughs> no matter how cool they are, they did some fucked up stuff. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> True. And, like, if it's the 1930s when you're writing as C.S. Forrester, it's pretty chill to be like, how cool are they? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, like, sure, like, I mean, watching back on it today, we're like, yeah, they're pretty cool, but also, like, yikes, you know. Like, yep. 
cool in the way that like an orbital laser destroying the Earth is cool. <laughs> that's pretty cool. I have to agree. That's pretty cool. But do we condone the orbital laser destroying the Earth? <laughs> I'm pro laser destroying the Earth. <laughs> You're pro laser destroying. I think uh, it will be terrible, but for a glorious moment, there there'll be a lot of money for shareholders. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just for a split second. The second uh, part of this is a bit of a love story, which I'm sure, Zach, you enjoyed, where, oh my, there's a woman on the ship. Oh my. And everyone else on the ship, but Hornblower is sexually harassing her. So she's like, Hornblower is the only nice guy on the ship. And and then she gets sick, and then Hornblower takes care of her, and then they fall in love, even though- Which is objectively super romantic. Yes. Mm. Objectively. I liked the line where he's like, may I remind you that the men on this ship have been at sea for eight months. And she's like, (laughs) and how long have you been on the ship? And I was like, oh. (laughs) And then he clears his throat. That's something he does constantly throughout this movie is he like comically clears his throat. It's very, (laughs) it's very good. Whenever he's, yeah, uncomfortable or or erect. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Or both, you know. Or both. Well, I mean, being erect implies the discomfort. (laughs) Yeah. There was the point where she's, like, uh, sick with the fever and she's still got, like, her eyeshadow on. I laughed at that. I was like, ha mm. Well, who's going to take it off if she's too sick to do it? Yeah, well, that's it. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, Hornblower can't do it. It's not very... Um, he doesn't know how to do that stuff. Yes. Mm. He doesn't know about products. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't know. know about services. All he knows is bread and ship. <laughs> so, and rum, of course. Oh, and poker. Actually, interesting that they were like, we have a molasses distilled thing here, like rum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You probably haven't heard of it. And I'm like, rum rations are pretty standard in the British <laughs> Navy this time. Like, well, yeah. what kind of hipster bullshit are you pulling? Like, Hornblower <laughs> definitely knows about rum. Yeah. <laughs> they own half of the Caribbean. Like, come on, dude. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. They, they they play a bit of poker, so he also knows that as well. No, they don't. <laughs> Whoa. I'm sorry. No, they don't. They play whist, okay? Oh, <laughs> oh, sorry. They play whist. And I was actually really pleased. I was very stoked to see that whist had made it into the film because this is, like, a big part of Hornblower's, like, uh, lore is that he, like, counts cards and is really, really good at playing whist. Ah, <laughs> nice. Oh, that's awesome. And as a midshipman, as a young midshipman, Doing that actually gets him into his first duel because someone gets shitty that he's winning all the time because he counts cards. There was a shot when they were playing, I think they were playing with dice and you've got Hornblower and um, I forget what her name is. uh, Barbara, Lady Barbara. Yeah. um, And they're like just kind of staring at each other throughout this entire game and then just like one guy's in the middle of them and he's like, I'm playing, I'm playing games. I'm playing games. I'm like, sir, just leave the room. Uh, anyway, she's she's engaged. Uh, Hornblower is married, but then his wife dies off screen, so it's fine. They can get together at the end of the movie because then her husband also dies, so it's it's fine. I love it when they get rid of the spouses. Yeah, summarily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry, guys. All the all your opposing spouses they'll die off, so everything can be fine with this relationship. Mm-hmm. Look, just because there's a goalie doesn't mean you can't score. <laughs> I've said it once and I've said it again. <laughs> There was a quote where uh, I don't remember who said it, but someone was like, oh, my, you spent you spent six months on a new ship. I bet it was a trifle gay. And I was like, yeah, statistically, at least half of the crew would have fucked each other. Like, <laughs> like that's kind of what happened back then. I also wrote down that line. 
Don't tell me it wasn't a tribal gay. <laughs> I'm not saying that. But also he was saying hanging out with a girl was a trifle gay, which I thought was a bit amusing. And then the third adventure in the movie is uh, probably my favorite one where they're a part of like the blockade and a bunch of French ships break free from the blockade. And they're like, we're going to send men out to find them. And so they go find them. They find a... uh, a harbor where the French are planning to like attack with cavalry and stuff. So they're like, we're going to destroy all the ships, which they do. And they do a great job. Yeah. They, they first capture like a, a schooner of a, a French schooner or something that was trying to signal them. Yes. And they interrogate them uh, to find out the signal that they sent them. I think it was MV mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. is the like, we're French. We're all good. You know? Don't shoot at us sort of thing. We're your friends, allies. Yeah. Um, and so he uses that to get into the harbor without uh, them attacking him. And then, yeah, surprise attack, bang. Yes. He runs up the French flag as well, which is yeah. super sus and definitely illegal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely a war crime. Yeah, definitely a war crime. But just, you know, like a light. Just a light one. Yeah, just a light one. It's it's against the French, though, so, like... That's true. And their existence is a war crime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, he cancels That's how you can out. tell someone watched Hornblower as a kid. Yeah. Just, just deep, deep, inexplicable Francophobia. That's <laughs> true. That's true. One time I made a joke about the French, like, being terrible and... <laughs> a blight on the face of the planet and someone was genuinely shocked with me and I was like sometimes I forget that we didn't all like spend most of our childhood in a certain cultural milieu that made it like cool and fine to like make jokes about killing every Frenchman. That's true. I feel like that that's something that only Sandy and I can relate to. I don't think Zach can relate to that one. Yeah. Look, uh I I think it's a universal thing to be able to hate the French guys. Come on. It's not just a hornbook. That's a good point. <laughs> well, now the cool thing is hating the British, which I, you know, fully support. Yes, mm, mm, definitely. Absolutely. And I think that's very more culturally and historically justified, <laughs> potentially. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And yet, there was a deep seed planted in my brain as a child. <laughs> Uh, that Napoleon and all of his and all of his people must be wiped from the face of the earth. <laughs> yes, it is interesting though, because um, yeah, he's told not to even attack the ship that he's following, but he's like, not only am I going to attack that ship, I'm going to sink four other ships in a harbor. Well, the idea was to demast them, I yeah, think, initially, yeah, um, which he did with chain shot. Super cool idea. You need pretty accurate gunners to do that, but Hornblower keeps his gun as well trained as we saw mm-hmm. yeah he even takes a shot himself i believe at one point yeah, yeah. the like last shot of the ship as well it was great because yeah his his ship goes down in the conflict as well yeah he gets captured by the french which i believe there's a there's a, an episode uh, might be the fourth one in the tv show where mm. um he's captured at some point and put it's in prison the third and he's actually captured by the spanish in that one that's right by the spanish yes yes there's there's a lot in this that is similar yeah. Mm. In plot point to like having a woman on the ship. Oh, someone we thought we were at war with is now an ally or like getting captured and having to pretend to be a civilian, which made it all feel like very classic Hornblower. But it does make me wonder, I guess, if they recycled 
Or if CS4 are still recycled plot points. <laughs> well, the TV show is only based off three books, so I, maybe they added what? in plot no points. Way. Surely it's more. Yeah, I thought it would be more as well, but I guess they kind of break it up a bit more. I'm not entirely sure. I, I need to rewatch the show anyway because I haven't seen it in a few years, but yeah. I like this bit turns into like a almost a spy movie like yeah like they're infiltrating the french classic um, hornblower yeah yeah luckily hornblower is quite fluent so and it's cute and i like the way they do this and this is often a theme in hornblower that like the 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 hand or the the seaman who originally was like plotting to mutiny him like in the very first scene becomes his bestie <laughs> like, yeah yeah yeah, yeah classic yeah it's this thing, you know where it's this classic like trope i guess in whole blow it happens a few times where like yeah, <laughs> um a, a, an able seaman will like like become very loyal to him you know, mm. after at first not understanding why he does things the way he does but then you know through seeing the results of hornblower's schemes and and plans and and you know leadership style um, comes to think of him as as the best captain in the world. Yeah, through through the loss of a few bets, I believe, is how he changes <laughs> his mind, <laughs> which is great. So, yeah, like, they're captured, they escape, um, they sneak onto a French ship. I liked as well, um, during this, it's only Hornblower, Bush, who's the guy that you were talking about, Sandy. We love Bush. Bush, played by Paul McCann in the TV show. Yes. For you thirsty bitches. Uh, love me a Paul McGann. The, the hottest Doctor Who, I'll say it. The hottest one. <laughs> what a beautiful boy. So gorgeous. And so gorgeous as, as Bush. Yes. Especially when he's, like, above Hornblower. That's great. Mm-hmm. Enjoyed that in the fifth episode of the TV show. Because when they first meet, Bush is, like, second lieutenant and Hornblower is, like, third. <laughs> so Bush technically has, like, um, like authority over Hornblower. And then over over the course of events, they come to be besties. And then later, when Hornblower gets his commission as captain, he asks Bush to be his first mate, which is very gay and very cute. It is. Mm. A trifle gay. <laughs> a trifle gay. I do like the love story between the, the two of them. That is what it is in, in the show. It is. But yeah, they're also joined by Seaman Quist, who is like the comic relief throughout the movie, I guess. Yeah, that's the guy I was talking about who originally planned to like mutiny him and i'm like don't talk about that so loudly because you'll literally get hung but there's a great quote where where like hornblower is like oh my look at that ship over there it would take eight men to man her and then quist is like yeah it's the one time i wish we were octopuses and i was like that's out of nowhere and that's very funny (laughs) (laughs) but also relatable relatable we've all wanted to be a cephalopod at some point you know i i I liked uh yeah he he's the one speaking French the whole time, but we do get one or two lines. It's like, we <laughs> oui, monsieur, bonjour. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cute. I'm like, the French would know you're not French. Yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. But it was very funny to me. <laughs> I loved it. Oh, there was a point as well where one of the Spanish captains kept saying Ariba. <laughs> I was like, that's not. <laughs> oh, okay. I missed that. But yeah, they uh, they disguise themselves as Dutch officers in a lovely, like, green naval outfit. Mm. I kind of want one of those. I feel like I could definitely rock one of those. I was like, that looks really good. Well, here's the thing. You just go punch up some <laughs> some Danish yeah, true. people steal in, their a, in a house. Yeah, steal theirs. That's how you do it, you know? I mean, my girlfriend is Dutch, so I could just <laughs> go over to um, her parents' house and just take... <laughs> 
Uh, that's the true British way. <laughs> that's true. Just come into their house and take their stuff. That's that's what it is. For His Majesty's Navy. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but anyway, they take a ship. It's full of English prisoners, so they already have a crew. And then uh, Hornblower's off to get knighted, and that's the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. I love I love the revolt uh, where they they there's some uh, captured Englishmen. Yes. And so he he tricks the Frenchmen, knocks them out, and then and then he's like, Well, you were planning to rebel, right? Rebel <laughs> And they're like, Oh, okay, we're going now, I guess. Yeah. 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 Um it was considered at the time like if you got captured, if you were a prisoner of war, it was like your duty to try to escape to rejoin the war. <laughs> <laughs> ah, there you go. Because it's like, what are you going to do? Just wait out the war in prison? Before we move on to a remake, Sandy, that's pretty much the whole movie there. Um, If you do have any final thoughts, then do say them. But also, I did want to ask you, if you were to recommend one episode of Hornblower to people who haven't seen it, like one particular story, which one would you say is the best one that people should check out? If they aren't already convinced by the love that we have shown (laughs) to this. Yeah. I would honestly start at the beginning. Watch the first episode. Like, it's really good and you'll get hooked. But my personal favorite episodes, and it is two because it's kind of like a two-parter, are the mutiny and retribution episodes where he's just gotten his lieutenant commission. So he's no longer a baby midshipman. He now is, like, a proper officer. And he's been assigned to a ship of the line, Justinian, where the captain is, like, hooked on... Uh, opiates and (laughs) like definitely has like Alzheimer's and paranoia and is like losing his mind and putting everybody in danger and this is also where he meets Bush for the first time and they kind of uh, as lieutenants have to decide amongst themselves like whether or not to mutiny knowing that they would get court-martialed and would really need like a great body of evidence to prove like that he was unfit to command yeah and was putting them all in danger and like just how high stakes that is because yeah because the laws of the sea <laughs> are so intense because the um like ruling whatever the, the people in charge are so outnumbered by by the crew that it's quite simple and easy to do a mutiny yes and the captain is played by david warner in that as well which is amazing he's mm. so good just watch the whole show. It's like it's like eight episodes. They're each ninety minutes. About that, yeah. It's like a Sherlock. They're all like a, they're all like a ninety minute thing. Yeah, they're all like little mini movies. Yeah, it's not that much of a commitment, but you'll fucking love it. You will definitely love it. Any final points, Zach? Before we move on to remakes, I'm I'm just glad that he managed to get the girl in the end. You know that they got together. That the the you know other spouses died off off screen. You know, <laughs> so we don't have to worry about them. Thank and, God. And she avoids a fate worse than death. Mm-hmm. Marrying an Irishman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very British of you, Zach. I like it. <laughs> yeah, because that's that's the only thing we learn about him. He's like, he seems like an okay guy. He doesn't like, you know, the guy who's banging his wife. And he's Irish. <laughs> and he sounds like Mr. Burns. That's a very important bit of detail about his character. Yeah, it's just like, yeah. Oh, dear. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, everybody. My name's Jess. And my name's Ellen. And we're from Murder in the Land of Oz, an Australian true crime podcast. We've covered such notorious crimes as Alice and Baden Clay, Backpacker Murders, Anita Cobby, and Azaria Chamberlain, and many other crimes featured around Australia. You can find us on any podcaster app, such as Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and, or any other place that you get your podcast from. You do you, dog. You just make the right choice for you. We are yeah, witty and charming, and we're a solid four out of five stars. According to Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much, guys. We hope you join us on our trip around Australia. Bye. Uh, that's not kind of productions podcast. All right. Well, let's bloody remake this movie. This is something that we're doing this year, Sandy. Uh, we're recasting, getting a new director, making some changes. Uh, now, Zach, you do have to go pretty soon so we can speed through this, I reckon. Um, Sandy... Uh, who is a modern actor that you reckon could take on the role of Hornblower? Is there Ooh. anyone who comes to mind? It feels basic. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like a basic bitch move, but I feel like Timothy Chalamet <laughs> could probably do it. <laughs> That's true, he could do he's it. He's got the right look, he's got the right kind of awkwardness. But I feel like I want to I wanna keep thinking about it, and maybe I could come up with something better. Like <laughs> He would be a good, like, younger... Hornblower. Yeah, like midshipman Hornblower, right? Like, you know yeah, the scene yeah, where yeah. he's, like, miserable. Which, is, which sounds like... Yeah, that sounds like the, the, like, better part of the story where you, you see him struggling to become the captain of a ship. That that sounds good. Yeah. No, I, I reckon, like, he actually... Because I, like, I fucking hate the trailer for young Wonka, but I reckon he could be a young, good hornblower, actually. I think that would work really well. Yeah, I think he could. Yeah, young Wonka I'm, like, worried about. Cause, but Hornblower is not whimsical. That's the thing. Like we don't, we don't know if Timmy can be whimsical, whimsical, but we know that he can be like serious and broody and awkward and, and, and <laughs> yeah, and skinny. So maybe, yeah. But I have a great uh, for for director mm-hmm. Peter Weir who did um, Master and Commander. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and fucking nailed it. That, I mean, that mm. is. Basically, a perfect version of Hornblower Master and Commander. It is. It's, 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 the, it's the perfect Hornblower film. It's just not about Hornblower. I think, yeah, no, definitely. He was always going to be the choice for director. I was going to bring him up as well. So that's a good one. Yep. Um, Zach, someone to play maybe Lieutenant Bush. You could even go for the comic relief. Who's some people you'd like to see in this? Well, it's hard for me to justify adding Danny DeVito to this, but <laughs> yeah. Dan Stevens could be Bush. <gasps> that's a good that that's a very good pick, yeah. I I was, you know what? Uh, f- funnily enough, I'm looking at the French actors cuz I was like we got to get like one French actor. Well, Timothy Chalamet is French. <laughs> he is French. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So would he be cool with being incredibly francophobic? Who's to say? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna have to ask him before this. Hey, oh, you know what could be fun? Actually, a bit of a, a bit of out of left field as Hornblower, potentially Nicholas Holt. Ooh, bit out of left field, but I feel like he'd he'd be very warm and like. Oh yeah, you could see a lot of what was going on for him. 
He's a rather charming man. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I can I can definitely see that as well, yeah. I'm a big fan of him in Renfield, so... You did really like Renfield. Uh, go patreon.com for the uh, the, uh, the review of Renfield. Um, so, I'm I'm totally, totally down for that. We can swap him out. We can put him in. Yeah, hell yeah. Let's, let's do it. Or even in this... No, maybe not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to suggest Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah. Like, he'd be fun, but it's not. It, he wouldn't be quite a hornblower. He'd be like his own version. No, no, no. Well, we could have Nicholas Holt as a uh, hornblower. We could have uh, Timothy Charlemagne. We could have him as like a French antagonist sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And then Daniel Radcliffe can, I don't know, he could be the good comic relief or something. I don't Zach, who would you cast as Lady Barbara? Who's a, who's a Lady Barbera? I, that, that's what I was just trying to figure out now. Who is our lovely lady? She should be way more British than the woman was in the movie. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Like Claire Foy. Claire Foy would be good. Well, th- that, that's kind of the thing with this movie as well with Hornblower that we didn't really talk about is they're all American. Um, yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah, they're speaking in British accents. Who's very British? I mean, there's like an Emma Watson, but I don't think she would suit this at all. Yeah, I, she's not romantic enough. Hmm. Uh, Emily Blunt? Emily Blunt could do it. That's a good yeah. pick. Emily Blunt and Claire Foy have a very similar energy. <laughs> they do, yeah. I think Emily Blunt might just be like a bit more comedic. I reckon that would work in this role, though. Like, I think you'd want something a bit funny to kind of break up the dryness. Ooh, actually, not to Oppen- not to go Oppenheimer on you guys, but Killian Murphy could be he could be a good well if we're going for captain horatio hornblower then killian murphy as the captain version i think works really well yeah he could do that like quiet intense yeah Mm. oh robert downey jr should play um the admiral yeah okay (laughs) but then we're just making oppenheimer let's just make oppenheimer all right well there we go um a quick little remake there to wrap up the episode on hornblower sandy thanks so much for coming on again for another book adaptation you're so welcome, and thanks for having me on Hornblower. Obviously, if you'd had someone else on, I would have probably killed you. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly it. As soon as I picked Hornblower, I was like, well, now Sandy- There's only one person, yeah. It's only- There is only Sandy to do this episode, because that is one thing that we constantly talk about. <laughs> I didn't talk as much- Like, I didn't go into, like, the autistic history of it as much as I thought I would uh, this episode, but maybe next time. Well, maybe you'll have to do that on your podcast. Sandy, you've got your own podcast. What is it? Plug it. I do. It's called Illiterature. Uh, We haven't made any episodes in a long time, but the episodes we did make were great. Mm. I mean, one thing that I am currently doing that I would like to promote is Medusa role-playing games. Yes. Uh, www.medusarpg.com if you want to check it out. Uh, we We make LARPs based in historical settings. Some more or less historical than others. The one we just did was set in 1980s LA, and it was mafia-themed. You could, you got a bit of mafia theme, eh? <laughs> super, super fun. We all had a great time. If you're even a little bit interested in roleplay and you live in Melbourne, you should definitely come play with us and check it out. They look a lot of fun. I haven't had a chance to do it yet, but uh, it, all the pictures look incredible. And you sometimes you get to go for pizza afterwards as well, is, is, is what I've heard. Yeah, so. we went to yeah Scarface Pizza appropriately which is excellent there's a link in the description to that we are on everything as well oldie buddy goodie pod on facebook instagram all the stuff and things you can email us as well if you want email address in the episode description uh we're on youtube uh, drop us a comment on youtube if you 
you if you want, if you're listening on there. And we are also on patreon.com forward slash oldiebuddygoodypod for ad-free episodes, plus bonus stuff. Zach, on Wednesday, we are wrapping up the K-Drama. Ooh, the K-Drama. We've done three months of Nicolas Cage. We're wrapping it up with a bit of a battle between Conair and Gone in 60 Seconds, which I'm very much looking yeah. forward to. That's going to be a lot of fun. That's going to be exciting. Um, not sure what we're doing after that. Uh, we've got some Doctor Who, some more Friday the 13th coming up on Patreon. So that's all there. But Zach, you've got to pick next week's movie. We're going to 1952. What are you going to pick? Oh, my God. Well, Sandra, I could pick uh, Robin Hood. We, we've already done a bit of Robin Hood. It could be interesting to compare mm. the uh, 1952. 19- oh, it's the Walt Disney version. Yeah. I know nothing about this one. Uh, 1952. Interesting, interesting. Or or if you wanted to go for something that you we have done before, we did do Rashomon last week. You could do another Kurosawa movie. Pick mm. Ikuru. Ikuru could be fun. That does sound good. What about Monkey Business, Sandra? Oh, we've already done a movie called Monkey Business on the podcast, though, Zach. <laughs> yeah, that's true. A scientist develops an elixir of youth which helps adults become children again. Oh. Um, and then his wife drinks it and, you know, goes crazy, apparently. Mm. Yep. You could pick... Your million dollar mermaid. It's about an Australian <laughs> swimmer. It's about an Australian oh, swimmer. Okay. She's a million dollar mermaid. That's pretty cool, actually. But no, Sandro, I know exactly what I'm picking this week. You're picking the greatest show on earth? That's a classic. That's a bloody classic. Uh, yeah. Well, I would say it's one of the greatest shows on earth. You're picking five fingers. He's got not three, not four, but five of those fingers. How, how unusual. <laughs> No, I'm actually picking uh, Singing in the Rain. I haven't seen this movie in a long time, in a long, long time, but I love this movie when I watched it as a young, young lad. I don't, well, we haven't really done a musical at all this year, so. Yeah. So let, let's do it. Let's do Singing in the Rain. Damn, you're literally going to go for the greatest film of all time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> literally, I think most people agree. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I wasn't going to miss out on this one. Yeah, it's a good one. And we'll do that next week here on the podcast. That's it. Uh, Zach, you got to get out of that body. Uh, Sandy, can I get my ship back? Yep. Is that okay? Maybe I get my ship back. I could, like, trade you something for it. I don't know what you'd want. I've got, like, the steel box of the Hornblower TV show at home. Mm, no, I don't think so. Uh. <laughs> I'm going to leave you on this desert island now and sail away. Oh, no. Oh, shit. He's being marooned. I'm stuck on a desert island with Zach, uh, but Zach's got to teleport out of here. What a cliff. It's a cliffhanger for next week. How am I going <laughs> to sing on the rain if I'm stuck on a desert island? <laughs>